we're also trying from day one to see this other person as a human <laughs> and that what we can, whatever we can do preventatively to help this woman have the birth that she wants. We're talking about thriving. We're not about having a baby come out, right? There's a difference. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Joni Stone is a home birth midwife of 20 years. After studying neuroscience in undergrad, she earned a master's degree in clinical psychology with a focus in spirituality. Her work explored the physical changes our brains go through in becoming mothers, and how these changes are akin to the same brain changes that occur after an intense life experience which may result in spiritual enlightenment. In this episode, she explains the five factors of enlightenment, raises the possibility that traumatic birth may interfere with having this type of experience, and discusses simple yet powerful techniques for both awareness and healing. I'm Joni Stone. I've been a midwife for 20 years. I've been practicing, I've had my own practice here in Connecticut for 18. Um, so a few years ago, I decided to go back to school and get some um, more didactic information on psychology and how the brain works. And just coming back to my undergrad, which was um, focused in neuroscience and pre-med before I decided, I think I want to be a midwife. <laughs> um, and uh, so I went back to school at this really amazing program at Columbia University and Teachers College um, that's part of the Spirituality Mind Body Institute. And it was this really great program that integrated um, psychological psych, um, psych research, spirituality research, and really how they combined. So the, the, it was called the Spirituality Mind Body Institute. Um, and we had, there were like two years of, two summers of intensive where we, they had spiritual leaders and psychologists from all over the world come and talk to us. It was just so incredible. Um, and at the time where I thought I had two teenagers and I was done, I also found myself pregnant. So that brought my, I didn't, I thought maybe I could do school once without being pregnant, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that brought me back to my own motherhood journey, and um, I took a deep dive. So something that happened on the very, very first lecture on the first day of school was a neuroscientist who came to talk to us, and he, his name is Andrew Newberg, and he had just launched a new book called How Enlightenment Changes Your Brain. And so what he did was talk about... He's, he, he found that there were people that had these enlightenment experiences. Some of them were near-death experiences where, you know, people, you know, have, it, have a near-death experience and it changes the trajectory of their life and how they interact with the world. I mean, I think there's some people that you could say have done that on um, certain types of LSD or there are certain people that have just had a woke up and something happened and their life is different. And so he thought these people that had these experiences were really fascinating and he surveyed them. 
And so he got, I don't know, 1,800 or so surveys back from these people that had these enlightenment experiences. And he um, found that there were five components to anybody who had these, like what he called little E or big E experiences, which were little E or like the little enlightenment things that happen. And then big E were like huge, like everything changed when they woke up after that. So when he was going over being the midwife, you know, kind of seeing it, everything through that lens, I had, I was listening to this lecture and the five, so the five components that he said of people of how enlightenment changes your brain or their experience of enlightenment, I will say, was the number one was a sense of unity and connectedness. Number two was an incredible intensity of experience. Number three was clarity and new understanding in a fundamental way. Number four was surrender or loss of voluntary control. And number five was a sense of something like one's beliefs or one's life or one's purpose has suddenly changed. Like, wow, that's really fascinating because, you know, when I see mamas truly have a physiologic experience, a birth experience, they have all five of those. Um, you know, especially I think the one that calls to me the most is that that sense of surrender or I mean, you know, you just there, there's no way around it. You have to go there. You have to go to that scary place in order to let it all happen. It not only happens in birth where we have to surrender, it happens throughout the whole parenting experience. And it's and that's in it's preparation. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing else you can say about it. You have to go there. You have to take a leap and say, "Wow, I don't know about this, but go there anyway." And then it happens constantly. No, no one tells you that part. <laughs> over and over and over again. It'll be the experience till the day you die that you can't control anything related to your children, and I, that's obviously where the growth lies too. Absolutely. And even just, you know, the surrender to let your children be who they're going to be. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can say that because I have one getting ready to go off to college. So, um, yeah, but it, it's it's incredible. And, and I and I would say, you know, what I found, though, is that I kind of shifted those five components into a different in a different order. You know, and I would say the first would be the intensity of the experience, because and I'm talking about birth and I, and, but I would say that that, you know, this like motherhood journey that we're on, that you could say this happens all throughout the journey, not always, always at the time of birth, you know, we're speaking because that's an easy, it's an easy time period to talk about the birth is, but it's a much longer um, experience, but certainly the intensity of experience. I mean, for most women that those, that birth is an, an incredibly intense and you know, I, I said, am I going to figure out if I'm having contractions? So I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 designed, <laughs> they're designed to get your attention, you know. Well, even <laughs> if it isn't physically intense, even if it's a scheduled C-section that goes really beautifully, mm -hmm. the intensity emotionally and on every other level exists, maybe in a way more so with a scheduled C-section because she blinks and it's over. And she hasn't had that time to process what's happening. And maybe. I and I have seen that when people have had um, those experiences that they or or I mean with scheduled C-section, but also in somebody whose birth was an hour and a half, you're like, oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, except that they spend the next two hours going, what the heck just happened? Mm -hmm. 
you know, what just happened? You know, because it's so startling to your system. Whose um, baby is this? Right? <laughs> Um, so I, I would, but it, nonetheless, it, it is, it is, um, intense and certainly in, in a, in a section where you literally are surrendering, you're lying on a table and letting somebody else take your baby out, which, you know, is a, is a birth in a totally different way, but it's a birth all the same. And you're surrendering as well, even when you're on your hands and knees, vaginally birthing your own baby, because Absolutely. those are still forces out of your control. Absolutely. I would say, yeah, I mean, I would say it's the same. And I would say right? it does reorganize in the brain a little bit differently. And I guess if I'm going to say anything, you know, because I, I, yes, I'm a home birth midwife, but I have seen this complete spectrum of how women birth, you know, and it doesn't, it isn't saying that you have to birth one way for this to be an outcome is that the brain is incredibly resilient. And when there are people that are, haven't had that experience or having challenges, I guess where we're going to come to at the end is what are the things that we can do to implement, to help, help you get there and embrace that experience and, um, and not feel traumatized because, you know, obviously there's a lot of trauma around birth. And for you, you're saying in childbirth, it seems intensity comes first. I would say intensity comes first. I would say second is surrender to the intensity. Um, I would say third is, and this is usually, sometimes it's in, during the labor, but usually it's right after birth is this sense of like joining the mothers of the world. You know, it's that like, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly connected to this network of women, women and sisters that I didn't know. I was ever going to be connected to. Yeah, I, re I remember feeling that a lot actually throughout contractions when they would be so intense, just having these moments of feeling like all around the world, how many women are doing this in that in this exact same moment? And like that would help keep me grounded. Like, okay, just get through that one, just like they are. I had that experience briefly with my son right before he emerged. There's this instant where I thought, it's our turn. You're in the queue. You're next in the queue. That's right. We're next. Yeah. That was number three. Number, three. Um, number four was clarity and a new understanding in a fundamental way. You know, and that can go in so many different ways. But certainly, I mean, you know, you see all these mamas, they can't take their eyes off their baby. <laughs> you know, I mean, and how many of us with, you know, prior to having, a, having our first, we'll go, well, I'm just going to have my baby. And then I'm just going to go do this and do that, you know all these things. And then all the, like, I literally am wasting seven hours a day doing nothing about watching my sleeping baby. <laughs> you know? Staring. Yeah. It's an, and, it, and it's a new understanding. It's just, uh, you know, suddenly you go, we don't always commiserate with our, our own mothers necessarily at that moment, but you know, shortly thereafter, there's usually a couple aha moments of, you know, what other people have done and what you've seen and what you expected versus what's happening in this moment. And, you know, it really is just seeing the world from a different perspective. Even if you were totally prepared, it doesn't matter. There's nothing that can, you know, just as there's nothing that can totally prepare you for birth, there's nothing that can totally prepare you for that moment. So, um, so yeah, so clarity. And then, and then I think this one is a given, you know, is a sense of something, our purpose is different. Something has permanently changed, you know, and on, a, and I'm going to say that this happens when we have our babies that are here Earthside with us. And I think it also happens when our babies aren't here with us, if there's a, if there's a pregnancy loss. And 
that something has permanently changed. It doesn't matter. It still happened, you know, and this isn't, this isn't just for the first time. This is, this happens actually every single time we have a baby. We still have to open our bodies and our hearts again another time. And I think that's in deep preparation for just opening our hearts and loving another human, you know, in that, in that really intense way. That's really interesting because I can remember so distinctly when I was pregnant with Ruby, my second, um, I don't remember how far, maybe like six months along or something, sitting at night, tucking Lola in and just looking at her and thinking there is no possible way I will be able to love another child as much as I love her. So how does this work? Like, this doesn't seem like I, I, I will never have as much love to give. And then you give birth and it just magically appears. It's just like there. And that's the one that goes with beliefs. Yep. Our beliefs, our life, our purpose. So what Dr. Newberg did was he looked at these surveys, he came out with these components of enlightenment and then went into fMRI scans on the on folks that have had these moments of enlightenment and found that those people that have had these experiences, their brains look different. What's different? He kind of matched where like each of these five components would be would be different in these certain parts of the brain. I mean, one of the things that I love is that there is this part of the brain, you know, women are always talking about the baby brain and mommy brain, you know, and complaining, like, I can't remember anything. I can't think of anything. And that's happening in the thalamus where you have a hierarchy and, and that's where you come up with a hierarchy of importance and least importance, you know, giving your baby milk and, you know, knowing where they are and making sure they're safe is important. You know, it's reorganize your brain to, re you know, and that happens in pregnancy but certainly after birth. Did you say these were all near-death experience people or, or not other things too? Other things too. Okay. A lot of his research um, is on spirituality and he was really looking at the brains of meditators of like, you know, Tibetan monks who spend hours and hours a day in meditation, you know, amazingly. So. Joni, is it safe to say that motherhood is akin to enlightenment or is that going a step too far? Yeah. Well, I guess that was my hypothesis. I will say that it is part of our psycho-spiritual development. And I will say that also, I think that women who are, who have come out of a birth with a lot of trauma, that that's the part that they, they haven't recognized that, yes, there's a physical part of it. There's an emotional part of it, but there's also something that was in their deep, deep belief system that was taken away altered, challenged, any of the above. Exactly. Can I just clarify that? So yeah. my understanding of what you just said is that these five steps are the birth process should naturally take women through these five steps. And if they have had a traumatic birth, some of these steps have been skipped. And yeah. that's why they're, that's where the trauma is coming from. And yeah. in order to heal that trauma, maybe they have to find a different way to move through these steps. Is that right? Correct. Oh, I'm glad you clarified that, Trisha, because I was assuming that you were saying the trauma can result in emotional growth that's on that trajectory toward enlightenment. I think that it can, but it has to be recognized as that. And how many women don't even see that it was even important? You know, I mean, and this is just shown, and I mean, we all know that how many of the women that we work with who are pregnant are, you know, have a random person come up to them in the grocery store and tell them their traumatic birth story. 
they're doing it because they're seeing this woman and they're suddenly triggered and they're sharing their story. That's not obviously not helpful for the pregnant women, but it's it, but I also, my heart goes out to that person that they're so traumatized by whatever happened to them that they need to make sure. And, and in a loving way, really saying, you got to be careful because this could happen to you. Like it happened to me. And I think that's just, I mean, how, how often does that happen? That's all the time. Yeah, I get it. I see it in my classes. I get sometimes women come to class bringing their own mothers as their partners instead of their partners. And it's so interesting because they have so many emotions. They get so deeply moved. They have so much to say after class. It's like they're, re- they're reliving their own births and they're seeing things in a new way. And it's almost as if they're processing their emotions for the first time. And you realize it just never goes away. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, I almost always talk about, um, I talk with the women I work with about their mother's experience. How come? Because it's how she was raised or because it's something cellular that happened as she was born? Yes. All of it. All of it. You know, I mean, all of it, just how they talk about it, whether they know anything, which is always fascinating to me, which tells me that either it was not important or incredibly important to her mother. I mean, I don't know which um, and how traumatizing it was for her and her relationship. But, you know, and this is kind of jumping the gun of, of like where I was going with this. But what these are two things that I find absolutely fascinating is that we actually hand down our trauma. I mean, this is part of my research is how, I mean, we know it. There's a, there's more, there's a lot of trauma research out there about how it gets passed down, but we do pass down our birth trauma actually on a cellular level. Mm. Part of the reason this happens, and this is, this is, this is triggering for people in, in good and bad ways, that our own oxytocin foundation, uh, the receptors in our body are laid down in the first six months of life. So how we give and receive love for the rest of our life is based on how we were nurtured in the first six months and how receptive our caregiver was to us. I mean, I want to say mother, sometimes it's not the mother. And they've even done research to look at, you know, taking um, oxytocin levels, our endogenous oxytocin levels in like the first trimester and they can actually see how responsive that mother is going to be to her baby based on how much oxytocin she has in the first trimester. That's incredible. I have two thoughts, two suggestions for women who are aware of the trauma that they've had. Um, one is we interviewed Elena Chinetti Vladimirova. Do you know about her work mm-hmm. with birth into being? This is precisely yeah. what she does, whether it's sexual trauma or the trauma we are experienced in coming through our mother's into the world. This is what she specializes in. And we know that healing happens when women do the work. But the other thing that I'm seeing incredible results with, with some of the women I've worked with and in running a cesarean support group for so many years is EMDR. Have you been seeing work with this? So, okay. So so I'm going to tell you something else. (laughs) Was that a segue? (laughs) Yeah, it's a segue. Perfect. Nice one. Yeah. So there is uh, another technique out there similar to EMDR that they actually have been finding even better results. And it's called havening. And havening is what the, you know, (laughs) a shortcut to where we can talk about the, the brain in a minute, but where we keep ancient trauma is in our amygdala. 
and certainly birth trauma is usually, uh, it, it, there's usually a trauma, at, if there's a trauma at birth, it's also usually triggering another trauma. And so this technique is really, I mean, I can show you, but you can't see it um, as you're listening to this, but it's um, touching your arms and this, and this motion. And what we do is in touching your hands, like you're washing your hands and we're touching your face, like we're washing our face. And, and doing this while we're talking is actually getting your brain into delta waves. When delta waves are that, that is the, the, where you are in that deep, deep feeling, good sleep, right? You know, and, and we'll talk about whatever it is that's coming up for people. And sometimes we just talk through it. Sometimes we're, it's not, we don't even have to go into the deepest part of the trauma, but we're just talking about the trauma. And then what will happen is that we do all these like funny little things to distract them. And then literally what's happening on a, on a brain level is that you're depotentiating that trauma. It's not being held in the same way so that it doesn't get re-triggered. Is this a technique you perform on yourself or you have to go to a certified specialist for this? Um, so you go to somebody for it, although I can do it via Zoom. I don't have to do it in person, which is- You teach it. I can teach it and talk people through it as they're going through it. Yeah. So I did mention, I did mention EMDR without explaining what it is. And you yeah. said that you've compared the results between the two. Can you just give a little comment on what EMDR is and then maybe what they're seeing that's different about Havening? I can only speak to that briefly because I haven't done, you know, done a lot of the comparison of EMDR, but I have say just as more hearsay from the workshop is that they have um, a lot of the folks that are doing this. The woman who taught it, she's, she's a midwife. She does it at almost all of her visits of just whatever people are going through at that moment in time um, to even in labor where she's seeing, you know, where it's somebody in the hospital where they have them on a, a monitor and they're seeing like the contraction pattern and the heart rate getting all out of whack, they do the havening and then you can see it come back to normal, like crazy, crazy stuff. And so in what the report from her was, is that there's a lot of folks that are doing havening all over the world, not just around birth. Well, I'll explain a little bit of what EMDR is, the little that I understand it to be, but it's, it has to do with rapid eye movement. Right. And we heal when we're sleeping, we heal when we're dreaming, we process our emotions and our memories. And EMDR is a way of expediting that process. So you sit, I think you have six or eight sessions, and I don't know if they ask questions or do this process, but I've seen women who have been so deeply traumatized. Uh, we had one woman who always stands out because she was the first woman who ever told me about EMDR in a cesarean support group. And this was, she was pregnant again three, four years later and was still gasping and sobbing, talking about her birth. It was really traumatic and it was heartbreaking. And she came month after month for maybe two or three months and the energy was just so heavy and our compassion was so deep. And then there was a month where she just kind of sauntered in. She just said hello to everyone, sat down and completely spoke about her birth from a cerebral place, of a place of being at peace, a complete place of acceptance. And we were just saying, you've transformed. What's happened? This is such a difference. And she said, oh my God, EMDR, it's amazing. And it really got my attention. And since then I've recommended it to women and I keep getting the same feedback. So all of these techniques, I mean, we, we have barely scratched the surface as human beings mm -hmm. as to what our potential is with various techniques and healing, whether it's touch, whether it's work with the brain and the mind and focus, physiology, breath, 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's that was a large part of what we were talking about. It's really the things that are healing and incredibly touching to us that we can't see, that we can't necessarily measure, although they're trying, <laughs> you know? They're trying to measure it. I mean, they're doing fMRI scans on everything. Because no one will take it seriously until they do, until right. they measure it. No one will even think it's a thing. <laughs> so right. it's, it's that way with everything. I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, then this gets into all this stuff, like, you know, talking about, you know, the mi microbiome and what's happening there and how is that connected to our emotions and how's that, you know, I mean, like, we're so connected in ways that we have no idea about. And, you know, I'm just scratching the surface in my own little part. And what I, what I think where, where so much of this got so fascinating to me in doing this research is that the OB obstetric world and the psychology world do not talk. They're both talking about oxytocin, but in totally different ways. And I was like, guys, like this is kind of amazing. You know, let's talk about let's talk about oxytocin and how do we get more of it? You know, that's what the whole psychology world is talking about right now. It's such a good point. I mean, here we are pumping women full of synthetic oxytocin on the obstetric side, and here we are on the psychology side, being like. Um, like if you just paid attention to how you create this naturally and it's within you, like we could forget the bags of Pitocin. Yeah. It's really a pet peeve of mine when I hear medical providers refer to Pitocin or synthetic oxytocin as oxytocin. Mm -hmm. I just feel like you have really, that's really bold to call <laughs> synthetic oxytocin. It doesn't have the same effect at all in the no. brain or the body and nice try. Like the way to give me oxytocin is to love me. So go ahead and try to love me. <laughs> and you can't give it to me through an IV. Actually to generate love within me is the way. So make me feel love within me, maybe toward you provider, cause you're so good to me and you're so respectful <laughs> and, and generating so much trust within me. You want me to have oxytocin? That's how you've got to do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise call it what it is, synthetic oxytocin or Pitocin. And it, it has its place but it's not oxytocin. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't use them interchangeably. Yeah. That's not too much to ask. We're also trying from day one to see this other person as a human <laughs> and that what we can, whatever we can do preventatively to help this woman have the birth that she wants, you know, like, and have a mom and baby who are happy and healthy and thriving. We're talking about thriving. We're not about, you know, having a baby come out, right? There's a difference. And so what, you know, one of our favorite things that we talked to moms about lately is when there is so much that comes up during a pregnancy emotionally, and we're really working hard to increase mom's happiness, but also in their thriving and their resilience, but also their own oxytocin. I mean, there's only good things you can do from increasing oxytocin. So sometimes we'll tell our moms to be like, get in bed with your husband or your partner, whomever that is, and get skin to skin with them. We talk about skin to skin with baby. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and not even have, don't, let's not even talk about sex or intercourse. If it happens, great, right? Just touch, just touch just and touch smuggle because, in love. Because and... we need it. We need mm -hmm. that skin to skin. And as, you know, as we get older, we tend to not do it that much. we got to be our own separate beings doing all these, you know, things. And I think that's one of the, I guess that takes me into like, I think the, you know, our American dream, like we have to be these self-sufficient people and do everything by ourselves and we can't ask for help. And that is so horrible, so bad for a current modern mom. 
even within their partnership, you know, that they don't, they can't ask for help or what they need, or maybe they don't even know what they need, that they need that love, that that love is really important. And maybe it is love, maybe it's just touch, but it's still going to increase that oxytocin, so we'll take it. So Joni, what would you say to the woman who doesn't know if she has birth trauma? She doesn't really know her past and she hears this episode and she thinks, oh my God, like what if this happens to me in labor? What if something comes up? Sure. So I think women, women as a whole are incredibly resilient in mind and body. And there's so many things that can be done. And so simple. It's, this is not, these are not major things that need to be done. We often, and also in the mental health world, we're talking about depression, a lot of postpartum depression, but I see it manifest as anxiety all the time. Mm -hmm. And women think they just have to live with it. Um, and I would say that's not true. And I would say the other biggest, biggest part of, the, of what I talk to all my mamas about is that we all want to, this is our culture. We want to do something. We have to be proactive. We have to do, 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 do the best Thing that we can do is do nothing mm. is just be surrender literally just being i mean there's meditation there's mindfulness it's doing all that stuff and but we still are doing it because we hear that it's good for us and we're doing it it's such a good point about meditation because that's such a barrier for people to actually do it because meditation seems like this thing that you have to do and do it so right but it really is exactly what you just said like you can meditate just being is being in a state of meditation. Yeah, I, I think what I have seen over and over again in the body and also in the mind that so many of the things that we think are negative things or the challenges that we have or whatever it is that we have to deal with. I mean, I think we're, we're trained to think of all of these things as bad or negative. And I think most of the time they are really there for our benefit, you know, whether that is for our spiritual process, whether that in development or whether that is for really our brains and our bodies actually doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And, you know, and obviously this is not the only way, you know, for women, but it is part, it is just part of who we are and it doesn't mean that every woman every woman has to have a child my best friend just adopted a baby after going through a lot to get there and so she had all of this that that surrender that intensity of experience she had all of it so it's not always about the actual birth experience but it is that trajectory that changes us it's about change and we don't you know like i said in the beginning you know there's this idea of like i'm having a baby meaning it's like it's something separate from us it's not happening to us right but it is it is actually happening to us physically and on a much much deeper level so that yeah that we do recognize that the world is different after you have a baby that's important you're supposed to have that <laughs> if you enjoyed our podcast please take a moment to leave us a review on apple podcasts and share a favorite episode or two you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Downtoverse Show or contact us and review show notes at downtoverseshow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtoverseshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Instead of saying I'm having a baby, we should say I'm transforming with birth. <laughs> <laughs>